All right, guys, it's time for the next level guy show. A men's interview, interest, and improvement focused podcast featuring interviews with the greats from all industries to help you better your life. Each week, a new episode features an interview with one of the greats, covering all aspects of their story, from life hacks to tips and protocols that have allowed them to live life on the next level. We then highlight concrete action steps that you can use to improve your life. And now, your host, Ian Dawson McKay. Today's guest is Blaine Anderson. Blaine is a dating coach for men who specialises in helping guys build confidence, learn to authentically market themselves and attract amazing partners fast. You can find her on Instagram at datingbyblaine or her website datingbyblaine.com. And in this interview, we discuss the five E's to dating success, how to use technology to find people you want to date, how to build systems in your life to attract the people you want, how you should view rejection, dating red flags and how our masterclass could change your life and so much more and now let's get to the interview well thank you so much for coming on Blaine I really appreciate you taking the time out now if you spoke to my mother she would say this is the most important interview I've done she wants me to get back into dating but for people who don't know who you are why you're so well known can you give a quick introduction Yeah, well, first, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. My name is Blaine, and I am a dating coach for men. I love it. And it's certainly something that's becoming more sort of important now as we come out of this sort of pandemic and people are realizing we can get within two feet of each other. But for people who need the sort of understanding of how to do it, could you go into a little bit, but first, how you've noticed dating has changed over sort of, you know, the last 10 years, perhaps, towards mm-hmm. the pandemic now. Is dating changed at all? Or um, going into post-pandemic, if that's a phrase? Yeah, well, definitely. Technology has had a large change on dating over the course of 10 years. But in more recent years, you know, the past year or so, just the pandemic alone has also had a bit big impact in terms of from what I have seen. I think people realize the importance of having a a partner that they are excited about, they want to spend time with when Mm. they, you know, had to be cooped up alone in their houses for that extended period. And it all of a sudden became a, a forefront, something that they wanted to pay more attention to invest more time in and take more seriously. So you've kind of, um, coached men from all over the world you know i think it's like uh, indonesia argentina spain you you seem to just have a list of just that never ended what have you noticed the similarities in men's approach to dating have you noticed a kind of general problems that we have what's the kind of is it like our ego is it that we don't believe we can attract the women we want is it self-confidence All of those things you just mentioned definitely play into it. And obviously, everyone comes to me from a different point A. Everyone has their own unique experiences. But what I have seen across the board from for men from all walks of life all over the world was that oftentimes when men aren't having success dating, it is because they don't know how to market themselves to women. Mm -hmm. So, you know, most of the men I work with, they're great guys. They have interesting careers. 
They have a lot going for them. They have fun hobbies and pastimes, but they don't know how to communicate about those things and the things that make them awesome and make them great potential romantic partners to women. Because that's something I definitely struggle with. You know, I've got mm-hmm. like the podcast, I do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, I do football, and it's something I really struggle with. It's like how to sell that to somebody who sees it as guys rolling around in sweaty pajamas when they look at Jiu Jitsu <laughs> or, you know, think football. So could you go into a little bit about like where do we go wrong when we market ourselves? How do how mm-hmm. should we do it? Or mm-hmm. what's the kind of usual problems you see with guys? Yeah. Well, I don't necessarily want you to be selling yourself. You're not going to be doing these things or coming or presenting them in a women in a way to women that's like, look at what I do, accept me. That's not what it is about. Instead, I want you to be authentically invested in these things. But then part two of that is knowing how to just communicate about them honestly and with confidence. Passion is sexy. Women are going to be attracted to the fact that you have interests and investments that you spend time doing, whether she's interested in them or not. A common misconception I hear from men is, well, the th- women don't do the activities I like. I, my, my interests are aligned with what men like. It doesn't matter. She doesn't need to also love, you know, jujitsu or football. She's going to be attracted to the fact that you love those things. And another important key there is women are only going to know what you tell them. So that's the big problem I see with a lot of the men I work with. They aren't talking about these things. They aren't framing them in a way that's like, wow, that's really cool. They're just framed as either nothing or something that you just kind of do here and there, as opposed to being something that you're passionate about. Because that's a that's a brilliant way of looking at it because, uh, you know, it's you don't want to spend your entire time with them. They want to like to join a life that's really exciting. They don't want to be your life. They want to have you know you to have your own life. Them to have their own life. And mm-hmm. when I think back to some of my best relationships, it was where we had mixed, you know, mixed hobbies and interests, and that was the sort of spark that attracted us to each other. Yeah. So, could you go into you usually come up with an approach of the five E's of dating? Now, you've had some amazing successes and some amazing client transformations. Can you go into a little bit about how you would start working with a client and how? what are the signs that we would need a dating coach? Because mm-hmm. I definitely so do. The num- <laughs> well, I'd be happy to have you. The number one sign is really just you're not satisfied with your love life. And that could be you're not getting quality matches online. Or you're not, maybe you're going on a lot of dates, but they aren't dates with the type of women you're most interested in. Or maybe you're not going on any dates at all. Or maybe you're nervous about approaching women in real life. Whatever it is, if you feel that your dating life is falling short, then that's when you come to a pro. You know, I compare it oftentimes to if you wanted to get good at tennis, you wouldn't just buy a racket and start swinging it around. You would work with a pro. You would talk to a coach. You'd talk to somebody who has gotten other people to where you want to be before. And that's how I like to think of working with a dating coach. It has a stigma oftentimes and people think it's more taboo. But the reality is my job is to just get you where you want to be on the path of least resistance a lot faster. And so how I do that is I 
have a program that is focused around my five E's of dating. So the first E is empathize. Then we have embrace, embody, engage, and execute. So these are the five things that I believe you must have and you must do to attract quality women and be successful dating. I love it because I love it when it's something simple that you can remember in your head, you know, because I used to try pick up when I was younger and mm-hmm. I got into it because I felt like that was somebody had recommended it and I started seeing a bit of success. And it was the fact that it actually taught you to value yourself, that you were attractive more than the routines that worked. And when it it got to a stage where I felt like I was just a robot and if you did X, they did Y. And, you know, it was just, it was a mm-hmm. fake version of myself. So I had to stop doing it. But mm-hmm. do you think things like pickup lines, um, these kind of pick, um, what do you want to call it, canned responses, are they any good at all for helping a guy get better with dating? In short, I don't think lines and pickup lines are going to get you what you want with quality women. They aren't, you know, one of the key things that a woman is looking for in a man is integrity. And if these aren't your lines, your words aren't who you are, then that is going to show. Oftentimes, you know, maybe the line can get you one step further. It might get you the phone number. It might get her to go home with you. But if you're looking for long-term successful relationships, that's not what you want. Because eventually you're not going to have the lines that sort of facade is going to fall away and she's going to wonder where the guy she was talking to went. When in reality, if you had just been your authentic self from the beginning, she very well would have liked that person more. And if she didn't, then she's not the right woman for you anyway. Because that's what I really liked about your um, your Instagram, your branding, is you give a lot of the, it's not just all positive. You know, it's, you're saying, if she doesn't put the interest in, she's not the right one for you. You know, and it's you give the truths as they matter. And that's what I found with Pickup was it was making me into somebody I wasn't. It was making me mm-hmm. try to be this outgoing, brash person when I was nothing like that. And that's why mm-hmm. I like your approach. It's the kind of, well, let's use whatever is useful and, you know, whatever you're proud of to attract the people you want in your life. So how would we go about creating an attractive life now that we can start going places again? Well touch wood we can all start going how how do we start building a social life uh interact with women or where whoever our chosen partners are how do we start making the opportunities to speak to people to make dates etc well first on what you touched on just a moment ago i absolutely one of my key principles for anyone who i'm going to work with is i want you to be your most authentic self I want you to be the best version of your authentic self. And like, and that is what we build your life and your uh, attraction to women around. So that's really key for me. Uh, and how you start building that attractive life and start meeting people really comes down to your personal interests. So I want you to forget about women or men or whoever you're trying to attract when you start thinking about this. And think about what brings you joy. What brings you confidence? How do you enjoy spending your time? What are the things that make you feel good? And invest in those things. 
that is going to help bring confidence to your life. It's going to be organic places to naturally meet people. And you are going to be a happier person and more fun to be around when you're investing in things you love. So that's step one. That's also going to lead you to have things to talk about with women. Even if you know you're doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu at an all-male gym, yeah, you're not going to meet a woman there, but that is going to be something that you can talk about on dates. It's going to create natural boundaries when you start dating because you're not going to be available every night of the week because you're practicing jiu-jitsu. Yeah, because that's certainly the thing is people think, oh, I've got to change my entire life to go to the bars, go to the clubs to meet people, and you're thinking... Well, you're only going to meet people who like going to bars and clubs. And if you're not somebody that likes going to bars and clubs, why are you going to meet people who like that as a hobby, which you're not going to like? And I've never understood. I spent ages used to following people who went, if you want to go and meet girls, we've got to go to this club. And I was thinking, well, I hate sitting in a bar. I couldn't think of anything worse than sit. I'd much rather be out trying wakeboarding or something like that. But I think it, it also comes down to like what how confident you are as a person. So for when I changed initially, I was terrified to go new places because I had to do a lot of it by myself because none of my friends were interested in developing yourself. How do we? I hate the phrase, but people say, "How do you man up to go out places?" And I'm thinking it's just overcoming that fear. It's going to be there anyway, but you feel it, and you just have to take baby steps till you eventually you can go. Have you worked with people in giving them more confidence to go to new places, try new things by themselves, like cookery classes or sports clubs or whatever it is? Yeah, absolutely. Well, touching on the bars and the clubs point, I I agree with you. I actually don't think bars and clubs are great places to meet women. They're often loud and there's nothing inherently to talk there to talk about. So you have to make small talk. And most people don't like making small talk. Whereas if you're at these interest specific activities, you have a natural conversation starter about something you like to talk about. So it's going to be easier to strike up a conversation uh, if you're someplace that you enjoy spending time, someplace that you are knowledgeable about. So getting to the point of feeling confident in doing it, there's a few key things I like to talk about. One, it's okay to be nervous recognize those feelings and know that you know being nervous or feeling apprehensive about doing something is your body's way of saying you're getting out of your comfort zone and if you want to get new results you have to try something new which means getting out of your comfort zone so you're doing something right if you have a little nerves you know you're doing the same stuff you've always been doing you're going to get the same results so accept that it's okay to be nervous but don't let it hold you back that's step number one Uh, Then step number two, I like to say, which I touched on, is pick places that are going to allow you to shine. So that's probably not a bar, but maybe it is a farmer's market because you are a great cook. So you're going to be able to strike up a conversation because she picks up a spaghetti squash and you can say something like, oh, have you cooked with spaghetti squash before? And even maybe you have it and you can ask her about that. So leverage your surroundings and pick places where it's going to be easier. I love that. Yeah. And lastly, key, know that rejection or not, you know, having the result that you want is part of it. And that's okay. Okay. 
Every person that you talk to that isn't the right fit is one step closer to, you know, finding someone who is the right fit for you. There's a million reasons that any one person isn't going to be interested in chatting or giving you her phone number. And that is okay. That is part of the process. So don't be discouraged, you know, when that happens. Be excited that you're one step closer to potentially finding somebody that it will work out with. I love that way of doing it because I couldn't understand why I wasn't meeting people that had the same kind of interest as me by going to places that I was not interested in to try. And it it kind of hits you later in life when you start becoming your own person, when you start loving yourself and wanting to be the person you want to be. And something I was very interested in was that you said your clients will actually create systems to go and meet people. And I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of creating systems and routines in life. I'm very anal about these sort of things and I love that approach so is that the kind of thing that you're meaning is setting up like sports classes where you have to go so you're interacting with people could you talk a little bit how you would create a system for meeting women in our our social life um, or or more if we can Absolutely. So I'm a big fan of creating systems. So that could be something like you mentioned along the lines of, okay, I have this sports group or a recreational sports league every single week. So every single week, I'm going to talk to a new woman in that group or a new person in that group. Or it could be every single day, I'm going to find a way to compliment a woman that I interact with. And you stick to those things. So you will naturally be hitting your goals and meeting more women that way. And one of the key tricks that I like, especially for men who experience approach anxiety or feel that asking for a number is way ahead of where they're currently at, is eliminate that from even the possibility. Go in and say, okay, I'm going to go to this party or I'm going to go to this sports league or this concert or whatever it is, but I'm not allowed to ask for any woman's phone number. And so that takes the pressure off of needing to get something from it or to have to ask. Your only goal is to make her smile or to compliment her or to connect with another human being. And I think just taking that pressure away can lead to much better results and much less Mm -hmm. nerves going in. Because I've definitely had that where I used to go in and think, okay, when I moved to like a couple of new cities, I thought, I'm going to go and speak to everybody. And I was always brought up, you know, you, you tried the CEO the same as the janitor. Everybody was worthy of being talked to like yeah. a person. Everybody had a story, et cetera. And when I started doing that in my dating life, like I would go in and speak to three people at the bar or wherever it was, what a difference it made because it took all that pressure away and you, you became you. You weren't this kind mm-hmm. of, I think it comes across you. People know if you're after something when you speak to them. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you have an agenda. Could you do you have like rules that you'd have with a client? Like say somebody new came to you and said, How do I start doing this? Would this be one of the rules you would give them to go out and speak to say three people at a weekend and just shoot the breeze? Or is there more to it than that kind of thing? Absolutely. Social. Of, oh sorry. Yeah. So uh, I do go over techniques for, you know, how to approach women, how to identify women that you might be interested in talking to. But absolutely one of the techniques is I want you to chat with one woman a day. And that could be the woman bagging your groceries at the market, the barista making your coffee, the grandma waiting to cross the street with you. This isn't about a 
talking to women you're attracted to. It's about mm -hmm. talking to women and practicing the techniques that we talk about, um, you know, in my coaching process, holding eye contact, focusing on making her smile, uh, chatting about something that you're both interested in, because the more you practice, the more natural it is going to feel when you are in front of a woman that you are very excited about. You know, the time to practice isn't when you are at the big game. You want to practice in advance. So to get good at flirting, to get good at having those conversations, to make the other person feel comfortable, you want to practice with, you know, all the opportunities you get. So say if you had a client who came to you and they were like, I want to start dating and I, you know, I haven't had a one since my divorce or I haven't had a girlfriend in years or whatever it is, but they have real issues with their own appearance first or they don't believe they're good enough to start dating again. You know, say they lost all their confidence during a messy divorce or whatever the kind of situation is. How do you start working with somebody to make them love themselves again, to rebuild that confidence? Is there a way you can do it? And do you need to do that before you get back into the dating world? Or does the getting back and into it rebuild that confidence? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's a good question. So, you know, it's never going to feel like the perfect time to start dating again, especially if you're coming out of a divorce or a pandemic or a traumatic event. Uh, but you do need to be at a relatively strong place with yourself before you are attracting other people, because you're going to attract the type of person that you are. So if you, you know, are feeling depressed or lacking confidence or, you know, like Eeyore, then you're likely, you're not going to attract somebody who is full of confidence and loves life and gets out there every day. So if that's the type of person you want, you need, do need to work on leveling yourself uh, before you get out there. In order to do that, you know, one of the ways that I encourage men to do that is by investing in themselves, going back to having those activities that they love. Being really good at bowling because you invest in it three nights a week is going to make you feel more confident in other areas of your life as well. So step one is always do things that you love, things that are going to make you happy. I also, you know, recommend different books and reading. At the end of the day, though, my job and what I'm really good at is helping men understand how to market themselves and attract women that they're excited about and then execute with those women. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist. So mm -hmm. depending on where they are uh, in terms of feeling in the dumps or not feeling good about themselves, sometimes I do say, hey, I think you should go work on these things before you come back to me. Because I think sometimes that's also a good thing of like saying you're maybe at that point because you do, you've not got what you want in life. So let's go and move you forward. And it's definitely something, I think there's a lot of stigma slowly coming off like mental health and trying to better ourselves. And a lot of men think once you're 18 plus, you have to know it all. You can't ask for help. And slowly this is kind of getting eroded and guys are realizing we can't ask for advice. We can't speak to the experts like yourself to, to figure out how to do these things. And it's definitely about time. Now, something mm -hmm. you... I absolutely agree. Well, you have a great guide called What Would Clooney Do? And when I first seen mm -hmm. it, I thought, "I don't. Oh, here we go. I don't even know what this is. And when I went into it, I was delighted at the quality of it because it's not just... This is how he dresses, act like him. 
you went into what how he attracts women, what draws people into his personality and his energy. So a big part of my site used to be saying, here's some great characters from films or media. Let's see what they do well and how we can be like them. Is there people that you see that are naturally attractive that you think men could imitate or act as if? Like for me, it's like Henry Cavill, Jason Statham, like George Clooney. Who do you see in like that you would say that's a great example of an attractive man to a new client, for instance? Mm, Interesting. Honestly, I don't want any of my clients to feel like they are acting as somebody else or being like someone else. I think there's certain things that we can learn. Like, you know, when I talk about what would Clooney do about his charisma and his confidence and that he cares about other people. Um, But at the end of the day, I don't want you to be anybody but yourself. That is the most important thing in that you're comfortable in your own skin and that you feel good about who you are. Because if you are pretending to be somebody else, just like even like with pickup that you mentioned, or using somebody else's lines, that's going to come off as disingenuous and inauthentic. And that's mm-hmm. going to be a red flag for women, even if it is, you know, subconscious. Yeah, certainly, that certainly makes sense. Because that used to be the, like the be end and end all was act as if, you know, become the person, think about who you wanted to be and, if you didn't know the tools and tactics that got them there or had gone through the experience, it was never going to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really like that kind of the guide though, you know, of like picking up on the little things. And it's, it's I definitely recommend for every guy listening to go and pick up a copy of this. Cause I was like, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. You know, mm-hmm. now you're going to hear this a lot from you guys approach anxiety. Is it really a thing? Is it just our nerves that we don't know how to interact? So we've never done the social work without putting in the sort of emphasis of dating. How can we get used to going up and speaking to girls? Because we always think, no, she's not going to want to speak to me. I'll come across as creepy. I might scare her. How do we start getting through this and go back to things we did as kids, like chatting to girls in the playground and all that kind of things? Um, How do we go back to just being social animals? Absolutely. So I think an important thing to remember, you know, as if you're a man feeling approach anxiety is that single women want to meet awesome single guys. They want to be approached, you know, not that doesn't mean every woman that you chat with is going to want to be approached or going to mean that she is single and wants to chat with you. But for the most part, if you can internalize that, it will help you feel better about going up and just interacting with other humans. And that in relieving some of that anxiety ties back to what I mentioned before, which is just practicing with women you're not nervous around. Practice with the barista, practice with the granny on the street corner. The more that you can get comfortable chatting with all types of people, the more comfortable you will be approaching a woman that you see and that you are attracted to. But approach anxiety, to answer your question, is definitely a real thing. It's just understanding how to shift that feeling from an anxious feeling to an excited feeling. Instead of saying, oh, I'm so anxious to approach her, I'm so anxious for this date, just as simple as thinking, oh, I'm excited about the possibility of connecting with another human 
who I think is really beautiful or to go on a date with. Because I th- when I think back recently, the number of times I passed somebody, I thought, wow, they look amazing. They look a good, you know, I, I just felt an energy from them or something. And I was thinking, no, I can't approach them. And my confidence would just go, no, don't be silly. She's not going to be interested in you. And I felt fat. I felt ugly. And by the time I'd even built myself up, she was walking away. And I just felt like, mm-hmm. like you're saying, how do we turn that from, oh, my God, oh, my God, to, yeah, I want to find out more about that person. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Do you have like a mantra? Like, Is there a tool or a way we can do it, you know, like as we're approaching somebody to stop that feeling? You know, do we think like I'm not I'm not going to bother her, but I'm going to go and find out more about her? Is it a way to switch that mindset, like you talked about? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So switching, I think switching the mindset comes down to one feeling confident with who you are prior to going out into the world, you know, and that comes down to doing things that you love and being good at those things. Second is again, it's just all about that practice. Like the first 10 times you do it, you probably are going to feel nervous. But once you've done it 10 times, you're going to feel a lot better about just Hmm. going for it because you're going to accept that some people will say, no, they don't want to talk to you. Some women will say yes and be so thrilled to talk to you and maybe even get a phone number. So once you've had those experiences, it makes it much easier to just go for it again. Because I think sometimes we put too much emphasis on you have to have a mantra, you have to have a way of thinking. So you get to a point where you're kind of thinking, what was that routine? Okay, one, two. And before you know it, mm-hmm. you're the weird guy standing, counting through his head. And people mm-hmm. are kind of, it's not authentic. You're not being yourself where some of my best conversations and get, when I got used to get phone numbers was when I would just start talking absolute crap and meet people at like traffic lights or waiting in a queue at a bar or something and you would just say the first thing that came into your head and before you knew it they were laughing back and forth and you were like oh and you didn't think yeah, about so it bad. <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah I used to, I, go ahead sorry i was gonna say I, I used to do this thing where i would just think about something else as i was approaching so by the time i got there i hadn't even thought about her so i would just mm-hmm. speak when i was there or i would just go oh how are you getting on did it and it worked for me do you find that with your clients Yeah, focusing on not overthinking it is helpful. And also, that is why I say leverage places that you are going to shine. Because if you are at a yoga studio and you're a yogi or you have, you know, you're at a bowling alley and you love bowling, you're naturally going to have things to talk about. So, you know, at a pub or on the street, you do have to think of something to say. Mm -hmm. But if you are at a place that you are knowledgeable about, that you thrive, that you have valuable information to share, it's going to be a lot less work to think of something because you will just be able to say something about your surroundings, provide value, provide insight into what she's doing, what she's looking at, what she's holding. It becomes much easier than having to pull something out of thin air. Because I, I love the the way that you've sort of set this up because there's too many guys think this is like, this is a terrifying thing to do, you know, like that we're going to get caught out or we're going to be called creeps or stuff like that. And you've got a lot on like your social media, you, you'd give a lot of harsh truths, which a lot of guys need to hear is. And the one that really stuck out was you're not going to be compatible with 98% of the women you interact with, you know, so mm-hmm. don't even imagine you're going to be successful at that level. But 
we should be looking to be excitable to find the 2% who are interested. So how do we deal with rejection? How do we stop thinking it's a slight against you? Because you have a great way of looking at it as she's rejecting the approach. She's not rejecting you as such. Could you go into a little bit about that, please? Yeah, absolutely. Well, touching on what you just mentioned, you know, if you're looking at women between the ages of, let's say, 25 and 40, 80% of those women probably aren't even single. So it's really important to remember that her rejecting you has nothing oftentimes to do with you. And it has something to do with her. She's not single. She's not interested in women. She's having a bad day. You know, and so that's why it's so important to be confident in yourself going into dating because rejection is inevitable. You're not going to be compatible with most people. So if you already have a good base, then you're not fussed by the women who aren't interested in seeing you. It just means, okay, on to the next one. So having that confidence already built up is really important to not, you know, then feeling down about some about uh, a woman not being interested. Because when I was really bad, when I was when I had bad, um, when I was depressed, I would take it as a slight against me. You know, like she was saying, mm-hmm. "No, your whole life's not good enough for me." Or, and I would just come away and I'm sulk about it, and I would I would feel terrible, and I wouldn't go and approach another person. And it was like, oh, I don't want that to happen again. And then I could understand how guys kind of get knocked for six, especially if you've come away where you've been married to somebody and they've cheated on you or something like that, where you've already lost somebody important in your life. So could you go into a little bit then about how we would approach? Is, take, is using the term approach even bad because you're making it sound like a goal? You know, should we just look at it as going and chatting to somebody? And does it matter where you, like, say if it's a sports club compared to on the street or a bar, does the kind of the situation change? Because you might see this person again in a sports club event, but you might not see them in a bar. Does it mm-hmm. does it matter at all? Yeah, so it absolutely, where you are absolutely affects how you approach. I don't have a problem with the term approach because it's, you know, just definitionally what's going on if you're the mm-hmm. one walking up to somebody and chatting with them. But I do like the concept of taking the pressure off, especially in what I call, um, so in an environment where you're going to see her again, this is, could be a place of work. She works there. You both work there. It could be a yoga class. It could be a gym or a sports club. Those are places that you aren't, I do not recommend asking for her phone number for the, Excuse me, let me repeat that. Uh, So places like a sports club or where you both work or where one of you works, I do not recommend asking for a phone number or making any sort of ask the first time that you meet her or that you chat with her. You need to form trust first. So if she knows she's going to see you here again, she's going to be a lot less likely to give you her phone number because if it doesn't work out, this could spoil that relationship or that place for her. So in order for her to feel comfortable, you know, giving you her phone number or potentially going on a date with you, she needs to know that it's worth it. And you're going to show her that it's worth it by first building trust, by forming a friendly connection, showing that you're not a creep, showing that you're not after, you know, one thing without even knowing if you have anything in common. Hmm. 
Whereas if you show her you have things in common, just by getting to know her, by chatting as you get your coffee or by, you know, chatting on the sidelines of your rec sports team, you're going to find out if she's even a good fit. You're going to find out if she's single. You're going to find out if she seems interested in you. And when you've qualified or checked those boxes, then you can ask for her phone number. And so long as you do it in a respectful way, even if she says no, it's not going to be detrimental to your friendly relationship. No, I really like that. Because another, to to sort of add on to that, something I did learn from Pickup, probably one of the only positives was to stop thinking of anybody you can get is good enough for you. To actually start using, thinking of yourself as a prize and going and actually you know like interviewing people to see if they're good enough for you um going Mm -hmm. for the the people that you're attracted to because too often we think oh she's she matched me right that's the one i need rather than going for something maybe better and i like that approach of just chatting to them because that's what i used to do in like jujitsu when i was speaking to people i wasn't thinking oh she's hot i was thinking oh you're doing great on the drill how are you getting on you enjoying the class and when I would even try to think, I'll ask, I'll see how she's getting on, I'll ask her a number, I would become this completely different weirdo in a strange <laughs> place where they would kind of go, you know, we're having a drink before we go back to the class. What you, you know, And that's what I think a lot of guys do is they, they mess up. You know, they can have a chat and then maybe at the end of the class just say, oh, I'm going for a drink. Would you like the camera? You know, like you're saying, but you don't need to do it straight away. You don't need to rush it. And it's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I think back to some. I cringe now when I think of some of the approaches that I made back then. You would have beat me up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I absolutely agree. It's not about okay. Can I get this woman's phone number? Can I get this from this woman? It's let me assess if we are compatible. If this woman is a good fit for me. Do I like the type of person she is? Do we have shared values? Do we have common interests? Mm -hmm. And if you learn that those things aren't the case, even if you still think she's beautiful, you skip it. You don't go for it. And that goes for online and offline. I really tell the men I work with, you know, focus on establishing if this woman even makes sense for you before you ask for her phone number or swipe. Because if she doesn't make sense for you and then she rejects you or declines, all of a sudden your confidence is taking a hit when the reality is it wasn't a good match to begin with. Where were you 10 years ago? You would have fixed (laughs) all my problems. So you, I mean, you talked initially on your on your blog about that you were you moved towards becoming a dating coach because you had all your guy friends asking how to get with your sorority, uh, sorority sisters. I can't talk today. Um, what do you find that women's pet hates are? You know, because you have you have got so many female friends. What did you notice was the the real red flags that guys were doing that women hated? And does it change as a woman kind of ages? Do we find that younger women want this kind of guy where older women want this? Or do women always want a sort of key sort of key elements in the guy that they're attracted to? Yeah, absolutely. So I think absolutely that women's desires and what they want in a partner does change over time. Um, and I think that changes for men and women. I think when you're younger, it's more about what feels good in the moment and seeking lust and excitement. 
Whereas when you get a bit older or just when you are at a point in your life that you're looking for a long-term partner and someone who you can see yourself being with, you start focusing on, okay, how does this person make me feel long-term? Do I feel secure? Am I having fun? Does this person, you know, make me laugh when times are tough? Uh, So those are, those are some of the ways I see relationship Mm -hmm. dynamics change, but across the board things that the key things that women really want, you know, they want to date a man who they see as high status. And that is kind of sounds like arbitrary. Like, okay, what does high status really mean? And that comes down to a few key things. You know, does this man have boundaries? Is he respectful? Is, does he have integrity? Um, so that, that makes up what high status is. Women also want to feel desired, you know, young or old, you want your romantic partner to be excited about you. So you want to feel like you were your best version of yourself around them and that they see that in you. And then third, women want to have fun with the person they are going to be with. So even if the guy is high status and even if he makes her feel desired, if he's not fun to be around and they're not having fun together, then it's probably not going to work out long term. So those are the three key things that across the board, I see women wanting in men. And that's not always, they don't always, you know, articulate that when they're saying why they do or don't like somebody. But those are the things that I really focus on teaching my clients how to leverage when they're interacting with women to get the best results. I love that. That's three great points. And it, it all makes perfect sense. And when you think back to like your breakups that you've had, you can probably pick one of the three points and go, well, she never, she said this, but what she really meant was that point. And yeah, it mm-hmm. certainly makes, because when I think back, it's, I've had some, yeah, it's like my head's just now going, oh, that was so-and-so, that was so-and-so. That was. It's time for a quick break. There are millions of potential products to buy. So how do you know which ones are worth your hard-earned money? Simple. You go to nextlevelguy.com slash affiliates and explore those that will transform and improve your life. You'll find deals, listener exclusives, and special offers with some great companies. Recommendations are 100% honest and only on items Ian has tried or believes in. The companies showcased will make you a better man in all areas of your life. Simply go to nextlevelguy.com slash affiliates and level up. Yeah. So say we've been um, interacting with somebody, we've been having a laugh, chatting, or we've been speaking to somebody at a bar or whatever. How do we start moving this towards when to ask for the phone number, when to ask for the date? And when do we know at the point, no, this isn't right for us? Is it just gut intuition? Or is there kind of a a theory that behind when's the right time to ask? Mm -hmm. Well, for not for deciding that this person isn't the right fit, I think that's absolutely gut intuition. Like you don't need to justify to yourself, you know, if you don't feel it with this person or the vibe isn't there, that's okay. It won't be there with most people. <laughs> Move on. A low key uh, trick to dating success is focusing more time on the women it could work out with and less time on the women it will never work out with. So I like to tell my clients. And then in terms of knowing when to ask for the phone number, that really comes down to when you have formed an adequate 
adequate connect connection, excuse me. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, so when to ask for the phone number comes down to when you have formed an adequate connection. So again, it all goes back to meeting women at places that leverage connections. Some, you know, some place where you can talk about things that you both like. If you, for example, meet at the gym, you know you're both active, you start just having a natural conversation. Yeah, I'm from here. Oh, like you just moved here. Oh, do you know any good? Have you been on any of the good hikes around here? Maybe start talking about hiking. Mm-hmm. Say you've met a few times and then it's a natural segue. Oh, I can actually show you like some of the hiking tra- trails around here. Uh, I know a short one that has an excellent view at sunset. So it's talk. I really am a big fan of suggesting a reason that you need a phone number. So rather than just saying out of the blue. So yeah, it's been really great talking to you. Can I get your phone number? Have a reason for the ask. If you <coughs> ask. Oh, are we? Sorry. <laughs> Okay. Ask about something you ask for the phone number in a way that is following up on something you've connected about. I love it because it it then takes the pressure out of this. It doesn't mean you're you're feeling like you're you're trying to sneak the number. You're actually Mm -hmm. you're going away to do something exciting that you can bring them in on. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a a thing that I hated about um, pickup was the indicators of interest. That if you're, I mean, you were talking and you were flicking your hair in a certain way, or I look at your feet and if they angled and towards me, it meant you were interested. Or there was all these kind of arbitrary rules on what meant you were interested in me if I was trying to chat you up, or for those horrible terms. How mm-hmm. do we really gauge interest? Is there a way? Do you kind of know, or do you just kind of say, like you're saying, ask them to join an exciting thing you're doing? and build it from there? So I think there's absolute signs that you should look for before even making that ask. So, you know, you only want to make the ask when you've seen indications that she's interested in you. And I'm not super familiar with what the signs that, you know, pickup artists talk about, but there are certain body language signals that you can look for. And you don't want to look for gestures in isolation. So like like you mentioned, oh, her feet are facing towards me, so I should ask for her phone number. Mm. That's silly. But if she's facing towards you and she's making eye contact and she's asking affirmative, she's giving you affirmative responses and encouraging conversation, okay, those are all good signs that she's interested. Uh, you know, or just because her arms are crossed doesn't mean she's closed off and uninterested. Maybe oh. she's cold. So it's really essential to look for congruency among what she's doing, her body language, and what she's saying. And if those things line up, you know, she has open body language, she's encouraging conversation, make the ask or make the suggestion and see if she's interested. Again, if it is done respectfully, even if she declines, you're not going to be any worse off than you were. If you ignore signs of uninterest and then you still ask, that's when you end up being coined as creepy or feeling rejected and bad about yourself. So how do we make sure that we're not going down that road? You know, how do we avoid putting them on a pedestal and thinking, this is the best girl for me and thinking we're going to have babies and marriage and all the time she's thinking, this guy's taking ages to buy his ticket or, you know, she's just doing her job or whatever it is you know it's 
like say if you meet a girl selling the shots and and bars, I bet they get hit on all the time by guys. How do we make sure that we're not, we stop projecting onto the person we're speaking to, and we're actually being honest with ourselves when we're we're interacting? Mm-hmm. So projection is interesting because you know it's such a common thing that men and women do. It's very easy to get carried away and start imagining a future with somebody. But the key is to focus on the here and now and look at the fact. Part of, I think, not projecting and not ending up in that place where you think things have gone really well is focusing on being in the moment when you are talking to her. Because if you are letting your imagination run wild about all the things you're going to do down the road, that is going to be a turnoff to her. She might not necessarily peg it in her mind as, oh, this guy is projecting, but she's going, she's not going to feel like oh wow he's in the moment and focusing on the here and now and focusing on me so one way to keep yourself from you know letting your mind wander and putting the cart before the horse as they say is to focus really hard on that exact moment so not even what you're going to do later not what you would do with her on a future date but what are you enjoying about the here and now what is she talking about What can you ask her about in relation to the conversation that you're already having? One of the things I see guys do when they are, you know, putting her on the pedestal and they're so excited about how it's going is they start just going through the motions rather than really focusing on creating a connection with her in the here and now. So don't worry about creating the connection when you take her to Disneyland next month because she liked Mickey Mouse. Focus on creating the connection over the thing that she's talking about right then and there. Cause uh, there's a thing in mental health. I'm trying to think what it, what the term is. It's when you time travel where you go mm-hmm. back into the past, you know, if you've got depression and anxieties, if you think about the future, but there's a version of it in dating where it's similar to that. It's where you lose the, you time travel, you imagine a future. And I think it's, it's something similar to that. And, I like the idea of being in the moment and always being grounded to what's happening there and then and dealing with that situation. Now, mm-hmm. technology is a wonderful thing. And, you know, we're like we're, we're chatting online just now from millions of miles away. How do we deal with using technology for like dating apps, for meeting people? You have a great guide on chat, you know, asking for numbers and dating from Instagram. Mm-hmm. Are these good things when we're starting to get back into the dating scene or, or do we start relying on the swipes and start relying on who we can attract on the apps or is it better to go out and speak to people at first? Are dating apps a good tool to use? So I think dating apps are a necessary evil. Nobody loves dating online, but it is a really good way to meet people who are also single and also looking, you know, like we talked about before, when you approach somebody in real life, 90% of the, or 80% of those women aren't even single. 98% of those women aren't going to be compatible with you. So at least when you are on a dating app, you've narrowed down, okay, this woman likes men. She is actively dating and she wants to at least be going on dates. You know, obviously there's people on dating apps who maybe are just looking for some attention or something, but for the most part, women who are there are also looking to date. So you have a 
lineup of potential partners that have already been qualified to a certain extent. Then you're able to look at their profiles. Okay, do we have things in common? Does she seem like she has my same sense of humor? You're getting a lot of info up front and able to save, save a lot of time. That being said, if you aren't doing the right things dating online, like you don't have an exceptional profile, you don't know how to send intriguing messages, you are going to be wasting your time. And that's the hard part is that most men don't have exceptional profiles and are sending the same messages that every other guy is sending. So they aren't getting the results that they want. But if you're able to make those changes, which is one of the things that I help my clients do, you are going to see a lot better results and you're going to be going on more dates than if you were just relying on meeting women in real life alone. And I mean, I've seen some of the stuff that you go into, like, you know, about how to make your profile stand out. So you mentioned having professional photos, for example, for, and, you know, you talk about how to have an engaging um, profile. Could you give us just a sort of basic teaser on, you know, obviously we want people to come and, uh, to come and work with you because you've got an amazing service, but what would you say to people? Like, where's the sort of, is there three key things you would tell them or are there yeah. key red flags? Three key things. One, the single most important thing to your dating success online is having quality photos. And that I don't want all, you know, six or eight of your photos to be professional because that also seems a little bit weird, but you do need to have, at, I recommend having at least a couple professional photos that really showcase what you look like and the best version of you. And then having photos that showcase your interests and your investments, all those things that we've been talking about those places that are great to meet women because you like them and you feel good there, get some pictures in those places for your dating app profile. Um, so number one, good photos. Number two, you need to have an intriguing bio. So this means that it's not the same thing that everybody else has. My pet peeve, I love to travel. Okay, great. Everyone says that in their profile. Give me some juice. Where do you like to travel? Why do you like to travel? You know, do you like to travel because you want to, you love wine and you travel to different wine regions or you like animals. So you're obsessed with going on African safaris. Give me something that makes you unique because right now you're just one in a million profiles until you say something that's actually going to make you stand out. And then third, as the third key point of having a solid profile is you need to seem like a real person. So the reality is, uh, you know, women are aware of their safety when they're dating online. So you need to be Googleable. Like you should have your place of employment. You should have the school you went to. You should verify your profile if that's an option on dating apps. I call all of those things proof points. So you should have, uh, you know, verifiable data breadcrumbs that you are who you say you are. So good photos, intriguing prompts and bio, and proof points. And if you can nail those three things, I know easier said than done, you're going to have success dating online. Because we do live in the world of catfishing. I just don't, I never mm -hmm. understand that kind of, I, I, from a guy's point of view, we get it as well, where girls will always say, hey, how are you? Kiss, kiss. Or, you know, and it, it, you do get the same kind of messages, but you'll ask for, don't be like every other guy. I want to see this. I want to see that. You know, and it's, I, I see the same profiles in girls as well. Mm -hmm. Count through Tinder well, and, uh, you know. Yeah. 
It's so, true. Women can get away with it. <laughs> so what, they have way more options dating online. At the top of the dating funnel, you know, for men, they online dating. There are a lot more when excuse me, there are a lot more men than they are women. So women can have the same profile as everybody else, and they are still going to get a lot of matches. And then the same just isn't true for men, even though that seems you know unfair and unequal. It's just the reality. There was a guy who put up a post where he was like, "I for a joke, I put a profile of my girlfriend up on, I think it was Tinder. And he said within like 50 minutes, there was like over a thousand matches. And he said, everybody's yeah. saying, oh, you could do better. And he's like, no, that I was lucky to get her. Whereas she was <laughs> having like, and he goes through this whole, like, I'm going to buy her bubble bath. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And he's saying before he knew it, she was on like 2000 hits in like a couple mm-hmm. of days and i think that's what it's men are very kind of we we see women and we're attracted physically where would you say that women are more emotional it's how we make you feel the, for the attraction you can hear my dog barking <laughs> it's like the one yesterday was it a couple of days ago my dog scared one of my guests <laughs> and he was right beside me and he barked and i jumped about a mile in the air and it's like, hey, okay. Yeah. <laughs> we just got a package of delivery so she should relax as soon as she walks away. Well, at least she's warning you. Sure about that. Yeah. Sure. Um, so online dating is always going to be superficial. Again, unfortunately, it's just the reality of it. No, it's not fair, but it is what it is. It's why you need your great photos. And, you know, it's why you need to create a compelling profile overall. When it comes to dating in person and when it comes to actually being on dates with women, uh, I do think women care much more about how you make her feel. I always tell my clients who think I'm not good, you know, they might say I'm not good looking enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not fit enough. I'm not this. I'm not that enough. You care a lot more about her appearance than she cares about your appearance. She cares about how you make her feel. And especially when you're on dates. So focus on that. Focus on things that you can control. So see if we're starting dating and, you know, we've had a couple of dates. How would you work with somebody to keep that spark alive? Where's the red flags that you think, you know, maybe it's not she's chasing you around the house with a machete. You know, it's like, what's the weird red flags that you start thinking, this isn't the relationship for me. This isn't working out. You know, is there is there a way that you work with people to keep them to keep the spark alive, or and to where to you know where's the point to say no, that's not for me anymore, or it's not helping either of us. Yeah, well, in order to keep the spark alive, it's important that you're showing up for the relationship every single day. So it's not oh, okay, we've you know we've been on this many dates, and now she's my girlfriend, or now he's my boyfriend. So now I can just sort of check out, and what you know, what's done is done. No, it's about showing up the way you did in the beginning every single day. So it's the writing of cute notes, it's the paying compliments, planning fun and exciting dates. That's how you're going to keep that spark alive. And how you know when it's time to, you know, call it quits or when it's red flags, not the right person for you is when you're no longer seeing those things that I just described from one another and the other person is no longer bringing more joy to your life. You know, your life should be great on your own and this person is just escalating that. So as soon as that's not the case, 
then, you know, maybe you've grown in different directions or the relationship has run its course or it's just not the right timing. That's a great way of looking at it. It's because I think that's the thing is we stop being the person that attracted them. But it's like you're saying, if you are the person that you are where you met them and attracted them, then you're going to be that same person. And it's when you're Mm -hmm. fake that maybe they start seeing through that. Because exactly. So if you attract them being inauthentic, it might work in the moment, but it's mm-hmm. not going to set you up for long term success because eventually you won't you'll you'll be your authentic self again. Which is what you should be doing the whole time. Because that's definitely something where I've I've finished a relationship where she was really outgoing at the start and then I would come back from jujitsu and have the endomorphins from working out and go, let's go try this. Let's go do this. And she'd be sitting in pajamas watching scrubs again. And I'd be like, <laughs> okay. And she didn't want to go out and do it. It was almost like, well, I've got a boyfriend now. I don't need to go and make the effort and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I was wanting to go and experience life. And we were just on two compatible, different wavelengths, yeah. you know? And yeah, she was fantastic but at that point it just wasn't benefiting either of us to be in that relationship and I think that sometimes you have to be mature enough to say that you're a great person but you're not working you're not that person for me and it's taken me 30 something odd years to realize that I used to take it Mm -hmm. as I wasn't good enough I wasn't a good enough person now when I look back I kind of go you know you broke up me you did me a favor you know, mm-hmm. if you don't want to be with me, you're allow me to go and find somebody. And mm-hmm. do you think that's a problem? Is people we use the people we break up with as like a pedestal? We kind of use them as a benchmark for future partners. How do we make sure we've finished one relationship before moving to the next? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. an interesting question. I think it is important to learn from your past relationships. You know, I want to, you should look back. Okay, this is what I liked about this relationship. And this is what I didn't like, because that's how you're going to get closer to finding that person that you're going to have long-term compatibility with hmm. is learning about yourself, learning what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Uh, in terms of knowing when it's the right time to move on or knowing that you've like fully closed one door, I think that's all about, you know, I get this question a lot. I don't know if I'm ready to date again. I had this breakup and ask yourself, does the idea of meeting new people and dating excite you? If yes, then go for it. If it sounds terrible and heartbreaking, take some more time for yourself. There's nothing wrong with being single. You know, guys contact me and they say, I don't even, I don't want to date. That's fine. Don't date. You know, I'm here to help men who are ready for that in their lives. And you're not always necessarily meant to have a romantic partner. Sometimes that's just not where you're at and that's okay. Now, something I was thinking about earlier was we have these sort of cultural norms where, um, you know, people in different cultures, you expect to be married by this point, you're expected to have babies by this point. And, you know, I, I know we're kind of been opening up now to poly relationships to far more kind of like BDSM is becoming more to the forefront and all these sorts of things, which were maybe kind of hidden away before. And that's fantastic. But when we have guys who are under pressure to be married by the time they're 30 and have kids by the time they're 30, 
do you think these things need to die away? You know, are we putting too much pressure on old cultural norms for the modern day we're approaching dating? I don't think there's a blanket statement of like, yes, we as a society feel too much, you know, this way or that way. I think what you touched on is absolutely true. I think people are becoming more open, more accepting of alternative lifestyles and alternative relationships, which I am a big fan of for whoever, you know, of everyone figuring out what works for them. I actually think, you know, compared to where we were 10, 20, 40 years ago, we're at a great place in terms of accepting other people. How boring would life be if everyone was the exact same? And I think for a long time, that was really expected. You know, like you said, you get married at this age, then you have kids at this age. And it makes me really happy to see, you know, that is falling away to some extent and Mm. more types of relationships, more types of lifestyles are being more widely accepted. Because just now, I'm like I'm 38 at the minute, and when I look at my Facebook, all the people I went to school with are married or having kids, and you know people kind of look at you and think, "Oh, why aren't you married? What's going on?" And they, it's almost like they're judging you because you don't mm-hmm. fit into this norm. And I have friends, Absolutely. like I've worked with like students from around the world, and some things they'll say is, "My parents would wouldn't disown me if I didn't marry a, another Chinese person." You know, mm-hmm. if I didn't do X, they would disown me. And when I then look at my own family, you know, I've got a cousin who's, um, uh, she, she'll date pretty much anybody. She does, She's not caring about gender. And then I've got friends who have issues with like gay couples. And I'm thinking, well, what world, what age are you living in? And it's that kind of, it's, I wish these things would just go away. And there's, it's like yeah. Dumbledore said in Harry Potter, the world would be a better <laughs> place when we're living it. And it's it's just a really sad situation that people are still bothered by what other consenting yeah. adults are doing. And it's this- true, it's true. And I think, you know, you touched on it, like people are looking like, oh, what's wrong with him? He's not doing this or what he's not doing that. That's really, in my opinion, a reflection of them being insecure with their self. You know, I think if you're secure with who you are, then you are generally much more okay with other people doing what they want. But when you're unsure Mm. that you've picked the right path, all of a sudden you start judging people who aren't on the right path because they must be doing something wrong. I I can't believe we're over an hour already. I'm just so, I think we're just touching the surface and you're so easy to talk to. I can understand why you've been so successful, but for somebody that comes to you and says, okay, I know you're going to get like a lot of fans from this, but I think, right, I want to work with you. How would you start working with a client? You know, how can we like get in touch? What do we need to do or like for you to start working with a person? Yeah. So I, if you are looking to upgrade your love life, if you want to be more confident around women, if you want to have more quality options, then I absolutely recommend my masterclass. I'm actually at a point where I'm not taking on any new one-on-one clients who haven't completed my masterclass because I find it's a, an essential base to uh, you know being successful. And I also feel that it's the best bang for your buck. You're going to get the furthest and get the most information in a complete package. It covers the five E's. <laughs> So what kind of things would be involved in a masterclass? Do you show people like scenarios of how to go about doing this or like how can we sign up for the masterclass? 
Yeah. So sign, you have to get in touch with me to sign up for the masterclass. There isn't just a link on the website. And that's really because I want to vet every man who signs up. I want to make sure it's the right fit for them and that they are going to get where they want to be after it. Um, so that's really important. So reaching out to me via email or via Instagram is a great way to get info and to sign up for it. The course is hosted live on Zoom. We meet once a week for five weeks. Uh, each session is recorded. So if you don't watch or attend live, you can always watch the recorded version at your convenience. If you do attend live, it's totally remote and anonymous. Your audio and video is off. But you can ask questions in real time via the Zoom chat feature. Um, each week we cover a different one of the E's. So week one is about empathizing. It's about what women want. It's understanding what women want, because if you don't know that, then how could you possibly give it to them? Hmm. Week two, uh, excuse me, week two is embrace. It's all about embracing yourself, understanding what makes you attractive to women and how you're going to highlight those things. Week three is embody. So it's embodying what you've learned in lessons one and two, what women want, what you have, and how you are going to, you know, embody those things to get in front of and attract the women that you're interested in. Week four is about engaging. So, you know, it's engaging with those women that you're now in front of, how you're going to talk to them, how you're going to get to their phone numbers, how you're going to move from match to date. And then lesson five is execute. So that's executing on great first or 40th dates and forming relationships with women you're interested in. So that goes into post-date follow-up, physicality, uh, defining the relationship. So it's really a A to Z course on what you need to know to attract quality women and be successful dating. That sounds awesome. And so what kind of cost would that be for people who are interested? Yeah, so my master course is $995 USD. I do offer payment plan options. Mm -hmm. And then along with the five lessons, there is email support, uh, email coaching included with that. So together we'll collaborate on building a dating by Blaine stamp of approved profile. I'll help you pick your pictures, draft your prompts, all of that. And then I'm available for situational questions, you know, what should I text her back? Like, what do you think um, of this date idea? That sort of thing. And then, of course, course-related contents. So I'm available for coaching via email throughout the length of the course. This is why I think it's so great that, like, coaches like yourself are available, that people can actually level up their, their dating life. We can actually figure out how to meet amazing people. They're out there. They want to be interacted with. They want to go on dates. It's just getting ourselves to the point of being able to go do it. And this is why I think it's great that guys can now go put their hand up and say, I need help. Can you teach me how Absolutely. to do this? So I would love to have you on again and do like a round two, because I think we're just touching the surface. But what would you want? Absolutely. What would you want guys to take from this? Like, say you had like a go home message or a challenge for them to do till the next time or before they came and got in touch with you. What would you want to, them to remember from this? I want every man out there who is single and looking for a relationship to remember that he is worthy, that there is somebody out there who's going to be excited to meet him, who's going to be thrilled to develop a relationship and get to know him as a person. And so to not give up looking for that person. She's out there and she wants to meet you. 
it's like you're speaking directly to me there. I was like, <laughs> I, I hope I find them soon. I am speaking <laughs> to you too. It's my my mom's sh- nodding her head just now saying, get on with it. I think when um when my granny was dying of, um, of cancer and um she was speaking to the nurse and when the nurse said she was single, she was like, oh, I've got a grandson that can, I can meet you. And <laughs> even at that point, they, she was still trying to set me up. And uh, I, 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 I won't include that part. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute joy to speak to you. I can understand why you've been so successful. But for people who want to connect and for people who want to find your social media and you know all the sort of amazing stuff you do, like the Clooney Guide, the Instagram Guide, how can we find you? How can we connect with you? Um, follow you on social media etc absolutely so you can follow me on social media instagram and tiktok at dating by blaine you can also access many of my free guides via instagram uh my highlight reels and the link in my bio and then my website also has an extensive blog with tons of tips and guides and posts and that's just datingbyblaine.com where you can also get in touch with me there to find out more about my masterclass. Well, that's it for another week, and thank you for listening. It's now time to take what you've learned and use it to develop and enhance your life with the key points mentioned. Listen, try it, embrace it, use it, and crush it. Now's your time to hit that next level in your life. If you liked this episode, then please leave a comment on the show notes or a review of the show on your podcast platform. Everything helps evolve the show. Until next week, keep seeking the next level in your life.